Hey guys, welcome to the 18th episode of Caranel Talks. Today, it's just going to be me, Carrington Garland. Jordan's not going to be here with us for this episode. But today, we are going to sit down and talk with a UK student, and we're going to talk about poetry, since April is National Poetry Month. I also wanted to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Pops Resale, before we get this episode started. Thank you. This piece is called Peter Pan Can't Come to the Hood. The playground enclosed by brick and concrete with yellow slides and poles, but it ain't a safe place, and the black figure on the signs is outlined in white chalk, signifying death and survival. The playground where the tunnel slide to smell like piss and marked in bullet holes and graffiti is where manhunt take place. Where the salvation truck come through with a white man singing how Jesus loves you, handing out free packed lunches and brown paper bags once, maybe twice a summer, free school supplies and draw strength and see-through backpacks once in August. Would you believe me if I told you I understood all that was implied in that transaction, like how you just told us a white man was our savior, a stranger, you figured it was okay since we was used to deadbeat fathers. How you keep reintroducing us to brown paper bags. How the drawstring isn't strong enough to tie a noose, but just enough to snatch me from my roots before it snaps. Like, I don't know that this bag is clear so it can be easier to invade personal space that you don't occupy but have redlined. This playground isn't a place where we on a pity. This park creates takers and grim reapers, seers and conjurers. The playground enclosed by brick and concrete is the site of death and altars, where we throw and dribble balls. Lay sprout out on the court, shooting dice and a gamble for life. Where V-cards and teeth and blood and bullets and chains and barrettes and baubles and favorite toys. I lost the film. Where, sc- where shoes get scuffed and knees scraped from rolling in mulch that we track back home while playing hand games that were once hymns and our now rituals to keep us on al- alive on the playground that is our Neverland. I'm Sierra Moore. I'm 22, and I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I am a double major in English and Africana studies. So if you don't know what Africana is, it's kind of like African-American studies mixed with just like the study of the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. I'll be graduating um, next fall. So I'm almost done. One more semester. Are you excited to be almost done? Yeah, I mean, like, I am, but then it's like, I'm a little, uh, just because, like, it's going to be, like, moving on to, like, a next, just kind of next stage in life, and I'm just a little nervous, you know? No, I totally get that. I feel like that's definitely a normal feeling. I'm, like, going into my senior year next year, and I'm definitely freaking out about the future. So I totally feel you. Yes, it got it comes quick and you can't necessarily exactly know what to expect. So when did you first get into like writing in general? Like why did you choose to do um a double major in English and Africana studies? So I've always been a writer since I was little. Um for the first couple years of my life, I was completely mute. So my first form of communication um, was written instead of it being like verbal. So some people learn how to talk, then they learn how to write. I knew how to write before I knew how to before I knew how to speak. So okay, more so not before I knew how to speak before I started speaking. So 
I've always been really into writing. And then on top of me being into writing, I've always had love for books. So like I've always been a reader, no matter, you know, where I have been in life. I've always been a reader, even if I like take little breaks throughout time. I might not read a book for six months or something. But once I get back into it, I'm into it. And I kind of really just fell in love with writing because for me, it has always been easier for me to kind of communicate and express myself um, through the paper than it has than it has been for me to, you know, communicate verbally. And I actually didn't start off as an English and Africana studies major. When I came to UK, what was my first major? I think I was like a psychology major on a, um, a science track. And I was trying to go to medical school to be like a some type of practitioner person. <laughs> I don't even remember what the job's called, but that's what I was trying to be. And it just was not for me. They had me in like all of these science classes. So it was like chemistry, biology, all types of stuff. And I was like, I don't even like this. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going to keep doing this because if I keep doing it, then it's going to be pointless because I have no type of desire, no type of like motivation to do it. Like it's just not interesting to me at all. And um, I think it ended up like that because, you know, I feel like, especially for Black girls growing up, it's only a few careers people make it seem like we can do. And one of those careers is like becoming like a nurse. And so almost every black girl, including myself in one point of life that I knew was like, you know, I'm just going to go to school and be a nurse type of thing. And I had got like my CNA certifications. I was like, it's type of stuff. It ain't hard, you know, take some tests, study, I know I can get through it because I'm not a bad test taker. This, this, that, and the third. And then I got here and I was like, if I spend all of these years taking these classes and I don't want to do it. And so it took me, I want to say a year to like a year and a half to really figure out what I wanted my major to be though. So it was kind of me trying to really sit and think about the type of stuff that I do like to learn. Yeah, that I totally knew, makes sense. Yeah, so like I knew I liked to, I knew I loved to read. So I'm like, it's a lot of things I can do where you read a lot in class. But <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get like a little more specific with that. And like, I want to say the time I did into college, I was in, I had been in like, this space for the past couple of years where I hadn't been writing and I hadn't been like reading as much as I used to type of thing so you know I got to college and I was I started being like more accessible to things like you know we had we got humongous libraries um so I got, I got back into reading more um I started I started journaling and when I started journaling, my writings just kind of started coming again. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, I really did love to do, like, both of these things. Like, 
oh, I kind of forgot. And so I'm like, I know, like, at the end of at the end of all this, like when I'm done with college and what I really want to do in my life, so specifically that I want to help my people, like, I want to help my demographic of people. And I knew that I had like a real passion for anything that had to do with fighting against oppression. So I'm like, okay, I want to help my demographic and I'm kind of like a social justice bug. So what can I do with those two things that have me reading great books and being able to also write and express myself on paper um so that's when it was kind of like the only things that really make sense is <laughs> being an Africana studies major and to kind of cultivate my writing and get back into writing so my writing can be like better than my kind of my natural potential I knew that English was the next way to go so that's kind of how I got here that's really cool I like how your writing journey started off at a really young age like that's really cool that you've always had like just an innate thing for like English and like literature and stuff do you remember like the first book that really stood out to you when you were younger okay so one of the books and I'm really mad at myself that I even like this book so much because (laughs) now I don't like the person (laughs) oh no (laughs) but Helen Keller's autobiography when I was in elementary I read that book like 15 times that's a really interesting book to to really like I've never read it but that's an interesting book to like pick out and when I think about it I'm like why was I (laughs) I don't know but I remember being like really fascinated by the fact that they said this was blind and she was deaf and now she was out here in academia like writing essays and yeah speaking and- <laughs> there are so many people like I remember when there was that whole thing where people were saying that she was like fake like she wasn't a real person yes. like that no, whole trend she was racist <laughs> oh yeah I heard about that too I was like of course of course I yeah I was so mad after that because I literally had read that book like 15 times and I'm think I used to I remember thinking like when I was little like it's white lady must have superpowers or something like <laughs> she really both of her senses was gone and she really still became like this quote-unquote great writer and speaker type of thing so she was I guess she was admirable to me um And then, like, the autobiography itself had, like, the way it was written. Like, it was written in, like, this poetic way, especially when they spoke about Helen Keller as, like, a child. And it's, like, it's one brief moment. And I think it's it's part of the story is really what had me, like, rewritten over and over. Because just, like, the way the words was written on the page, it was kind of like everything jumped out to you. Um, one book, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. That's yes. my all-time favorite book because of the way it's written. It's like very prose-like, which mm-hmm. I really love. And then outside of that, though, I had, I remember reading, like, I used to go through books extremely fast. So 
it was like once I picked it up and I started reading it and I liked it I couldn't stop um and since like my reading skills were more advanced than my verbal skills I was in kindergarten on like a third grade reading level so by the time I got to third grade my reading level was like in middle school so I was picking up just humongous books that I probably shouldn't have been reading but I went through that kindergarten I had read all the Junie B. Jones because it was just <laughs> I love Junie B. Jones yeah I read like all of her but then after Junie B. Jones it was no more of like those little sentences big word books it was like I went to Harry Potter to per- Percy Jackson to like I just Oh my God. <laughs> yeah I, I kind of I kind of went on I, I yeah I went on a road because once I discovered like fantasy fiction I was like oh yeah okay <laughs> I'm gonna that. Genre. <laughs> when did you get into poetry hmm. um I want to say I got into poetry like I don't remember what year in elementary we started learning poetry, but whenever the first time we learned poetry, I think it was like second grade or third grade for me. Soon we learned about it. I was like, oh yeah, I like this. Like, I really, really like it. Um, (laughs) So it was kind of like once it was introduced to me at school and we started learning like uh poetic techniques and different forms and stuff like that and poetic devices and I remember we was only on like poetry I want to say for like a month like so it wasn't long that we was on poetry but once they introduced it to me I can't I couldn't really stop like I went from putting all of my like notebook entries that I used as my diary they went from being like regular little journal entries to everything was poetry (laughs) like I just kind of I fell in love with it I want to I really want to say I fell in love with it at first sight after it was introduced to me like I want to say in school they introduced like you know those really cliche type poems oh yeah like Edgar Allan Poe yeah it's really cliche they might throw in like some Dr. Seuss in there to really show rhyming skills and stuff but once they introduced it to me I started like making connections because um on top of me liking like poetry and stuff I really do like music though I have like no talent at all in music I can't sing I can't rap I can't do nothing (laughs) nothing of the sort but I've always loved music so um I always been a person that will look at lyrics and stuff and then so I'm like oh so what rappers and singers kind of do is similar to poetry so it went from that to me searching up like I want to say I was like eight searching up searching for black poets because the only poets they had showed me was like white men and so I went searching for black poets on google um found found poetry by black people and I ain't never looked back since then I think that's really cool I can kind of relate to that like I got into poetry like in eighth grade because we did a whole unit on it and it was Mm -hmm. like it was like poetry slash like spoken word and I like she was showing us like videos of like spoken word artists and I just thought it was so cool 
um I just like I kind of fell in love with it too and also it was like really cathartic for me because I was like going mm-hmm. through a lot in middle school so like just to like write out my feelings and thoughts was just like amazing because I'm not like super verbal with the way I'm feeling yes I don't even see I don't even know if we even if my school introduced us to spoken word I think I found about spoken word on my own like off YouTube once I learned about spoken word and watch, started watching the videos, I was like, okay, yeah, like y'all really got me now. Like, right? I'm, I'm- <laughs> and they're so hard to like not watch. Like, I definitely went down like the trail on YouTube of like watching like everything. Like, um, yeah, get lit poetry. I freaking love their videos. Like, button poetry, like yes, everything yeah. like that. Poetry Foundation. Yes, I love Poetry Foundation. I stay on that website constantly. I love their poem of the days. Yes, like completely, I was completely captivated. Who was the first poet who like really stood out to you? I know for me, it was like a modern poet. It was Olivia Gatwood because I really like related to the way she talked about like girlhood and like the taboos of girlhood. But, like, what about you? Oh, let me think. Okay, so on paper, I want to say, I think it was Gwendolyn Brooks and Amiria Baraka. Yeah, because I think what happened was they had, like, a conjoint, like, poetry book. So it was a book together. Um, And when did I read that? I can't remember when I read it. But I remember reading it and I just kind of had felt like either we all have just experienced these same lives. I like somebody had like took all the words that was like stuck in my throat and put them on paper. I love that feeling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You can like resonate with a poem like wholeheartedly. The way you just articulated that is like, the feeling I get when I like can relate to a poem yes yes I love it like it's one of my favorite feelings <laughs> oh it's literally so great yes and being spoken poetry though like spoken word the first I want to say one of the first person people I have ever heard speak spoken word is like somebody to this day like she just dropped she dropped her book like I want to say a year and a half ago and I went and ran to get it <laughs> but her name is Jasmine Mans, and she is like the epitome of her poetry on paper and her poetry like when she speak it like everything just comes to life and like you feel every ounce of emotion um Okay, I think you like recommended her book, Black Girl Call Home to Me. Yes. And I got it. I'm like literally reading it like right now. Like I'm halfway through. I can completely relate. There are some poems in this book where I literally had to stop and just like get there for a moment. And I was like, I've never felt this scene like ever. Like, oh my God. Like I've read like other poetry by like African American women and just like, I don't know there's just something about her writing where like I like I felt seen like a hundred percent yes oh my gosh it was like I have never felt so seen in my life (laughs) 
and I can't, the feeling's kind of crazy because it's like to think in your mind like oh my god I have never felt this scene before it's like yes. it's actually sad that we the way have that those she, thoughts yes and the way that she like talks about like relationships that like she has like the yes. relationship she, that, that she has with her mother that she oh talks my god. about throughout the book I was like oh my god like I've that never book. looked at my relationship in this way but like I I get this like it's so it was just so interesting like I don't even use words like profound but <laughs> every piece that like I have read and heard about her is like so profound like it's just if you can make me cry off your words on a freaking paper yes, yes. you have really did what you came to do because for the emotions to be able to carry over like it to multiple different people like mm-hmm. it's just it's genius like oh, yeah. what? oh my god yeah that book I still got it I'm looking at it right now it's right in front of my Stop. TV I have it pulled up right now too I have it right next to me <laughs> and I want to say I'm on my third time reading it from cover to cover and every time I reread it, I find a different poem I love. <laughs> every time I find a different poem I love, I just, I go through with my pencil and my pen and I mark it. Like, it's just a marked up. Me because... too. I annotate my, like, poetry books when I read them with, like, different colors every time. So, like, I know, like, the way I'm thinking, like, every time oh I read God. it. I'm so happy you got it because I knew I wasn't tripping like no it's so good no I'm so glad you like recommended this book yeah that's definitely uh it's a book for healing it is a book if you want to sit around and you want to be angry it's a book for reflecting it's a book like that book right there it is a holy scripture uh-huh I you agree know, literally <laughs> I started like reading it kind of right around the time that like the Kanye West documentary came out on Netflix so Mm -hmm. it kind of lined up with like one of her poems about Kanye and I was like oh my gosh not me collecting not it coming full circle literally I want to say that's probably the first um poem I heard from her because she read it it might have been for Poetry Foundation the one the video I watched I know I remember exactly which video it was because I remember what she hit on and <laughs> it's pitiful I really love her <laughs> I remember what she had on that video but this was like I want to say it was like almost seven or eight years ago and once I heard her read footnotes for Kanye I was like what did nobody just hear the bars she just dropped (laughs) no it was like it's ingenious like the way that she interweaves his own music into her writing is like amazing and then it was a no because one of my favorite lines is she says something like I thought you would have got with one of Curl's daughters but even Curl's daughters don't look African and I was like yes Oh, yeah. Yeah. She goes crazy. Like she is her pink game is crazy. Absolutely. So I love her. Would you say that like she's a comfort poet for you? Like something someone you like fall back on? Like, because I know I have like my comfort books. 
and like absolutely 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 um i want to say this book black girl called home is one of them and then you know the horrible movies all of her became out with called full color girls yes okay so full color girls is originally a um a book of poetry and it's one of those books that do that have like the callback thing coming going on where like it'll tell it has like the speaker speaking and then it has like a different group of people responding back to the yes. speaker in the book yeah so it's originally a book it's kind of like the full name is like for color girls who have who have had enough reached the other side of suicide it's it's a really long title <laughs> <laughs> and let me see if I can find the exact title because I always forget who it's bad to um and I don't know why because I don't read the the book multiple times but I want to say it's also one of my comfort books when it comes to poetry yes for color girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough it's a real small book it's like 80 something pages and I definitely need to look into that. That sounds really good. I also love it, book recommendations, it, especially poetry book ones. Yeah, okay. See, I forget the author's name because I don't know how to pronounce it. So I do not want to butcher this lady name. Natozaki Nato Shank, maybe. Okay, okay maybe I'll look her up but it's a really like really good piece but it's really heavy like so it's speaking on I mean you can hear it in the name obviously it's speaking on suicide but it's also speaking about it speaks a lot about like sexual so like it's one of those pieces that it that's you gotta kind of if you relate to it too much you gotta take it day by day to read <laughs> Like a trigger warning kind of yeah like yeah. It might be too much for you mm -hmm. yeah but I definitely get that it's definitely even though it can be too much it's definitely something that I feel like all black women and girls should pick up once in their life because we do kind of have like a monolith of experiences that we tend to share um and I know personally for me, it helped me a lot. And I read it, the first time I read it was my freshman year here at UK. Um, I ended up coming across it when I worked in, when I worked at Willie T. And I would be like in the stacks, you know, looking for books. <laughs> I ended up coming across this book. And I, I, think, I think it was like the first page that had words on it. I teared up and I was like, oh, okay, I'm a little scared. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now I definitely, no, I'm definitely going to look it up. My like comfort poets are like Olivia Gatwood because she was the first poet I really got into. And it was because like during my class in eighth grade, um, my teacher played a spoken word video of her and another poet. And I don't know why, but I just like connected with like her voice and her persona so much and like a lot of her poetry speaks about like girlhood and also like kind of like the generational like fear 
that like women have that like we're going to be like killed by our lovers or like come to like a man at some point in our life and I just connect like that's one of my fears so like I just connect with her poetry so much like my favorite book is Life of the Party I think you would like it a lot let me look it up because I'm always taking new recommendations and also I really like um Hanif Abdurakib he was also like the first poet I got into and his book, um, his first book, um, A Crown Ain't Worth Much, is so good. He speaks about music in a really interesting way. He also has a lot of essays on music that I think you would like. Um, I'm reading one of his books right now called Little Devil in America. And it's about like Black entertainment throughout the years. Like he talks about Josephine Baker and like a lot of like influential Black artists and like dancers and calls them out like it's so good it's so interesting (laughs) what's it called again a little devil in america it is a collection of collection of essays but he writes them in a really prose like style so like it's easy to get through okay 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 let me add this to i love how this has low-key become an exchange of like book recommendations You know, we got to put each other on. No, seriously. I feel like the only way you can like grow as a writer or like as a poet is by like just reading a ton, just like reading a ton of different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's like, as much as we all kind of like to feel like everything just comes from us and our source and a lot of people have like this whole to that they mindset can become like too individualistic we forget that like there's so much one you can find so much inspiration from reading another poet's work yes yes I agree you like I also think you like realize things about yourself that Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't like you're like looking through someone else's eyes like I don't know I just find myself having a lot of self-reflection when I read other poets work I agree like it's like being able to because I I like people's work who make me feel and make me think so when I do anytime I do find people who's making me feel and make me think it's always like wow and then I'm thinking about all this then I want to go write like you just I agree I agree like I I like what you said that like you like to read things that make you like feel and think because I feel like I want that in like every aspect of my life like when I watch movies or like documentaries like when I'm like digesting media I need it to make me feel or think like I need it to like make me reflect on some aspect of like my life or like my journey Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's just like an innate desire that I always have had yeah same because I feel like I don't know I feel like when it's not there my attention isn't there yeah I agree I agree do you think that like poetry is for everyone because I know that there's like some people who are like oh I can't write poetry or like I don't understand it and they don't give it the time of day but do you think like it has an appeal for everyone honestly I always felt that it has but I think people get turned off because like when most people are introduced to poetry introduced into poetry they will show you like the most dry yeah (laughs) landish 
yeah type of poetry and I don't really like <laughs> you know it can sound a little mean that I'm calling these people dry and bland but they do introduce very mediocre yeah poetry when it's introduced in the schools mm-hmm. and then I also think like since people don't for some reason, you know, people just will never take the arts as serious as they should. Um, they kind of, you know, push it to the, to the side. But I feel like when you get into some real poetry, like every piece of poetry that we just talked about, that is for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. I also feel like like schools show a poetry that like doesn't like it has meaning, of course, but like it just doesn't resonate or connect with like the times that like the children are in you know and I feel like modern poetry or like poetry from like like the last like century would be better in classrooms you know like yes of course like old poetry yes you should definitely study it and look at it but like as a way to get people invested I just don't think it's very good yeah and then I've I always feel like when it comes to teaching you are supposed to cater to whatever demographic you you are teaching exactly exactly so it's like putting these poems about like rainbows and gun drops and how pretty nature is and giving it to a group of kids who live in the city they don't even see like you don't see acres unless you go all the way out to the outskirts and you they barely got trees um yeah, so I feel like it's like showing like a classroom of like I don't know just like children like Shel Silverstein versus like I don't know Gwendolyn Brooks like like, like they have different forms like different yeah. forms and different I also feels. think like teachers dumb down poetry for children and I genuinely do feel like if you showed like a Gwendolyn Brooks poem to like elementary school kids, some of them would get it. Some of them would resonate with it. Like, yes. I don't know. like, like because, they're smarter than you think. Yeah. And I feel like, especially because experiences have kind of no age. Yes, exactly. No. Exactly. Y'all not, y'all, y'all don't know about these, these little babies. Like y'all trying to make everything um, start from this um I want to say I don't know because I feel like people treat kids like they just stuffed animals or something like they're dealing with like they can't be for themselves but like kids are a lot more like like, observant and like a lot smarter than like we give them credit for yeah like this is a whole human being though it ain't bigger that long it's Mm -hmm. still like is a whole human being with its own like sets of emotions and lived experiences so I just feel like they, yeah, I, I just, I absolutely feel like they don't give them, they don't give children enough credit, especially when you get into middle school and they still are kind of introducing like the very mediocre type poets. Like that's not going to catch nobody's attention. Yeah. They just need it's to not better. Yeah. Because I, I personally would like to think that I write poetry for a targeted demographic and I personally I really personally would like to think that they can understand and get what I'm saying in my poetry um because like 
like I said, poetry is just, it's, it's really just communication. Like the speaker communicating yeah. with the reader. Um, so when you bring in poetry to a group of people who can't understand what that speaker's communicating, you, you can't set up a connection. You can't set up like any type of relationship between the speaker and the reader, especially because I also feel like most of the poetry they try to introduce is always like too abstract. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's just no, so it's they like, don't pick the right, they just don't pick the yeah. right poems or the right forms. Like they really need to cater. I agree. They need to cater to their audience. Yeah, like even like if I was to just randomly, I want to say, and this is kind of, I had this conversation with a cousin of mine not too long ago. So anytime I would like randomly talk to people about poetry, they'll like give like they interpretation of what poetry is to kind of mm-hmm. back up the reason why they say they don't read it or they're not into it yeah and I'd be like yep. wait a minute though like I don't even read that type of poetry yeah they're always like the response I always get is like oh I can't write or like I really just like don't understand it yeah just like well have you understand. tried to like there's so many different poets and so many different yeah. forms where it's like there's one out there for someone like there yeah. it's kind of like I've, I always make sure that I tell them like it's not poetry's not just you know those poets they show you in school that look like reels that nobody understands like it's whole poetry that makes sense out here because I do agree wholeheartedly there is some poetry that will never make no type of sense yeah I agree the way it's <laughs> worded I'm just like what is going on what are you even talking about no right literally <laughs> has there been like any ways that you've like gotten into poetry like on campus at UK like are there any events, any clubs? No, sadly, I have not been involved with nothing on UK's campus. Nothing on UK's campus have ever perked my interest. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say, um, when I started taking my poetry workshop classes, and I seen that they they did poetry workshop too. And so at this time, I had only ever left my poetry in my notebook. And I have only read my poetry literally at that time. I could count on one hand how many times I had read my poetry out loud and out loud to people with that. Um, so... I really was like, I do, I got like, it's, I do have like this deep love for poetry. So I want to try to cultivate it. I want to try to be more serious about it. Yeah. So one of my struggles was I was scared of my own voice and I disliked my own voice, like the sound of it to me. I feel that. I get yeah. that. <laughs> I, I did a poetry. I like did a lot of poetry workshops because I really like the professors that teach them at UK mm-hmm. um, and I had that problem too I hated the way I sounded and I just like I just ugh, I get nervous and insecure also yeah. about reading my poetry out loud mm-hmm. it was literally me but like one of my friends Mia she would just constantly tell me she'll be like 
I don't know what you going where you gonna end up at in life, but you need to be a writer. Like, no matter what you do, you need to be writing. And she had told me this. She had been telling me this for like the first two years of our friendship. She would make sure to keep reminding me that. I love that. <laughs> and also, I, I will that. say, when you came to the open mic night that my sorority had, your voice was great. So, like, I was a little surprised to hear that you, like, had that insecurity because you sounded awesome. Like, you sounded like you had literally been, like, like, doing spoken word for, like, years. And I was literally like, oh, you serious? <laughs> no, seriously. You sounded so awesome when you were sharing your poetry. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't came, I don't even came a long way since, since y'all um open mic. I want to say for real, for real. That's awesome. Oh my god, help me some. Yes, like so. I'm really thankful that y'all even did that. It even helped me some. Um, I'm I'm definitely becoming more open um, to sharing my work more open to speaking my work um I want to say what another thing that helped me also is I, I first started by recording myself on audio speaking my poems um and when I first started doing it I remember doing it in front of um we was in the living room it was me and my two friends me and each other was in the living room and I had wrote this poem and it was like I was proud of it, but at the same time, I still had like so many insecurities. So I really didn't know how to be proud of it. I to even really take everything that I had just put on that paper. Um, I understand so, that feeling. It like it like holds you back from like being yourself yes. in that moment and like embracing like mm-hmm. a good thing that you've done. But I want to say I'm happy that I decided to do that because if you was to listen to an audio from around that time compared to what I sound like now when I read my poetry, the difference is huge. Like you used to like you could hear my voice shaking. You could hear like the skepticism. You can hear the nervousness. You can hear like, you can just hear all of it. Like, it's just like the anxiety in a nutshell. Like I sounded so scared. That's and, how I sound literally when I share my poetry. Yes, you gotta, if you don't ever like start working out the habit, I really learned that it ain't gonna go nowhere. And at first when I started working on it though, for me, it just wasn't happening quick enough. <laughs> it wasn't happening quick enough. Like every time I went to read a poem into my audio and I replayed it, I'd be like, well, what the, you know, it still sound like how it sounded yesterday. I just don't understand. And- I kind of get that. I like, I don't have like an audio recording, but I have like a Snapchat story like a private mm-hmm. one and like some of my friends are on it and I'll like read poems to them and it just like makes me feel good like I don't know yeah it helps I started yeah I started that too I started uh, um reading all my close friends on Instagram like I would just be like y'all own her and y'all ain't got nothing else to do I ain't got nothing else to do so listen to this pool I love that <laughs> just doing all of those little things is kind of what got me to the like where I'm at now being comfortable and still even now I want to say I'm not like 
100% comfortable because I'm pretty sure you put me on stage. I'm going to feel every ounce and every bit of nervousness. Matter of fact, I'm supposed to do like the English showcase <laughs> coming up. That's exciting. Yeah. I just know I'm going to be upper nervous. But I also know that my voice isn't, you know, it isn't terrible. I ain't necessarily in love with it just yet because, you know, I got a few issues with the sound of my voice. I just feel like it could be a little more, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how I want it and I don't know what I thought I sounded like before I recorded myself. (laughs) Well, speaking of like growing and like advancements, like with your writing and like your voice, where do you see your poetry going in the future? Like in the next five years, would you want to like publish your poems maybe like in a chat book absolutely absolutely in the next five years I know for fact within these next five years by the time that five-year deadline hit I want to at least have one book of poems published I love that Uh, yes that is such a good goal yeah, like, I, I know for sure that I want to publish my poetry. I even want to, I even want to write novels. I want to write children's books. I want to be a writer, like, I love general. it. I love it. You heard it here now, folks. We have an aspiring future <laughs> writer. Yes, yeah, so if y'all ever see my name, pick it up. It's a good time. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for talking with me. I had so much fun. I had fun talking with you too. You are so sweet. Every Thank time we you. talk, a nice talk every time. Thank you so much. And then this piece is called Black Crow. Somebody told me I need to go back to the girl I used to be. As if the girl I used to be wasn't going to be the death of me. Like I ain't tried my hardest to shed every bit of her till I can breathe again. As if I'm still a girl. Like I ain't known a woman. Would anybody believe me if I said the girl you once knew wasn't a girl at all? Just fragments of an already broken shelf. Whose pieces I repeatedly swept up to my fingers blistered from a tall wooden broom. I had to tell somebody that I don't give a damn about what they want out of me. Because if I can't be free... I'd rather remain a mystery. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Caranel Talks. I hope you guys enjoyed it and have a great week.